Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. I, I, I just had church. I, I also lost about 25 pounds. I was going to go TD Jakes. But I ain't got enough strength after that. So, man, what a great day. Hey, but before they walk off, give them it. They did a phenomenal job today. And if that's what we have to look forward to the rest of this year, we're in good shape, aren't we? That's amazing. Well, thanks for being here today. My name is Bobby Smith. I'm the lead pastor. And if you're just checking us out today, we're in a series called Rhythms. And I'm going to talk a little bit about a rhythm today that I think is maybe one of the most important rhythms. But I want to go back and backtrack a little bit to last week. Last week, we talked about the rhythm of reading God's Word and how important God's Word is to our life. And it's the, it's the thing that leads us and guides us. And the Scripture says that, you know, your Word is a light to my path, a light in, in the dark places. And it's been interesting to see what's happened over the last couple, just, just actually just this last week. I've heard of uh, small groups, uh, our community groups have, have challenged each other to read God's word every day together as a community group. Um, our, our community group's actually doing devotion together and texting each other. And so if you're not in a community group, I would encourage you to get in one. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, but the other thing is read, make it a rhythm in your lives of reading God's word and reading things about God's word so we can get better and grow better and grow better together. So today we're going to talk about this thing called community. And it actually came to light for me. It's, it's happened several different times over the last 20 years, but about, about a month and a half ago, it happened really big. It was like one of those epiphany moments you've heard about. Like for me, it was a burning bush experience, but it was really burning logs. So I was sitting there and we live out in the country and um, every time a storm comes through, we have lots of old trees. And so it knocks down a bunch of the, uh, of the limbs. And if you were to go to my house, not today, because we just had, you know, the, the two hurricanes and tornadoes we just had, right? Did y'all survive those? those the, yep. So a little underwhelming, in my opinion, I was waiting for some real storms, but obviously we didn't get them. But it's one of those deals where every Every time we have them, limbs fall, and my wife will, will pile them up, and she'll make these piles. And so we have eight or ten piles around our house. And there, there comes a time when those piles, I guess, get to be a nuisance, or they're in the way, or there's an eyesore. And she'll go, hey, could you do me a favor? Which means I'm going to be working and doing something, right? Anybody else know that, that line, would you do me a favor? So the favor is, so she goes, can you start burning some of those piles, now, I will say this, and I love my wife, and she is super, super amazing and all that kind of stuff. Um, she doesn't know how to work a saw, and she doesn't know how to work an axe or any other. So the limbs are whatever size the limbs are. So some of the limbs may be eight feet, some of them may be 10, some of them may be small ones. And when I tell her to pile them up, she piles them up on this thing called a fire pit. Everybody knows what a fire pit is? We got a pretty big one. It's about that high, and it'll fit a bunch of stuff in there. Well, she, and it'll be leaking over all the sides, not just one side. It's leaking everywhere. So there's sticks everywhere, and I'm somehow or another supposed to peel the, the logs back and the sticks back, and I'm supposed to put you know enough, um, enough um, um, lighter fluid we all use lighter fluid, don't we? Let's just be honest. It makes everything in the world go better. Uh, I tried gas one time. I ended up without any eyebrows. Do not do gas. So I was sitting there and this is what happened. I, I, I light it and it, it was burning really good. But what started happening is the, some of the stuff started falling into the fire pit. And, and here's what had happened. One of the logs fell out of the fire pit and sat off to the side of the fire pit. Now, there was a raging fire here. It was amazing to me. It was warm. It was, it was you know, big flames. But over here, it was nothing. And, I, and as a matter of fact, when I looked over there, I realized that within a matter of minutes, this log over here went out. Everything over here was doing great. Everything that was connected was doing fine. And it dawned on me. This is what dawned on me. That's community. 
That's what, that's what biblical community looks like. It looks like because when we're together, when we're doing stuff together, we, we've, we fan the flames of, we burn better, we do better. And when struggles come, we, we conquer them better. But when we're left on our own over here, we burn out quick. And I've seen it firsthand, and we're actually going to talk about that in a second. And so it's amazing to me when we're talking about this thing called community, how that happens. And in many ways, if you want to be honest, in many ways, we are more connected now than we've ever been. In the course of history, I can get on the phone yesterday. I have a friend right now that's over in Tokyo, Japan. I was sitting in Glasscock County in a, in a deer stand down in Glasscock County, and he texted me. And when my phone went off, I was looking like, this is my buddy from me. He's in Tokyo, Japan right now. And within a second, I responded back. And with a second, he responded back to me. I'm going, how cool is that that we could be halfway across the world and we're still connected? A lot of you did it during Christmas season. You got on Zoom or you got on a Facebook Live or something, or, uh, you know, and you talk to relatives that you can't get with visit. We're connected. But as much as we're connected, it seems like we're just as much disconnected and isolated. As much as we think we're right here in community, it seems like we're even more the other direction. You, you don't think it's true. I'm not going to give you statistics. You didn't come here to hear statistics. You came here to hear a message. But statistics show that 60% of the people that walk this planet, 60% of the people in this room feel isolated and disconnected from the world. You could, be, you could be around people. You could have people sitting right next to you that you know, and you still could be disconnected. And here's what's really sad and really scary. If you're, if you're, if you're my age or a man, men are worse than women. Men are walking further and further away from community. We don't wait. And the younger you are as a, as a man, the less you're into community, the less you want to be a part of community, the less you ask your friends and the peers about the problems or the struggles that you're having. We are disconnected. And that's not God's design plan. As a matter of fact, if you go back about 2,000 years ago, we see community at its very best. It, it, it's never been better than this. It's, it's found in Acts chapter 2. If you have a Bible, I would kind of just ask you to open it up. In Acts chapter two, it talks about a story and, and please don't get bogged down. And we can disagree on the theology of this, this short little story that, that, that happened, what happened here. But, but I want you to gather some key components as we're teaching this today. Acts chapter two, verse one, a lot of people know it. it's the day of Pentecost and something spectacular happens in the upper room. And unfortunately, and, and I'm telling you, we get, I don't mean, when I say bogged down, I don't mean bogged down about, but we, we look at that moment that happened when people were speaking in tongues and all that stuff that happened, and we miss the essence of why that happened. Like, I'm a, I'm a why person. Why did it happen? Why has it not happened any other time? And listen, I, I, I think I figured it out. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Meeting together in one place. They were all together. That, that this is community. They were doing community together. And then what happens when they were doing community together, it says there was a sound from heaven like a roaring and mighty windstorm and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked to be flames of, or tongues of fire appeared and set on each of them and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. I'm thinking to myself, okay, this great mo moment right here happened when they were speaking in tongues as the day of Pentecost. What could happen in the year 2024 if we were all together in one place? What could God do with us? Maybe he doesn't work, want to work the same exact way, but maybe he wants a demonstration of love that the world's never seen if we were all together in one place. What could happen if we were actually involved in biblical community? If we did it the way God designed it? As a matter of fact, I want you to drop down a little bit further and go to verse 42 because it says, this is what they did. And if you're in a community group, this is why we do what we do in a community group. If you're not in one, this is why you need to be in a community group. All the believers 
devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching was that Jesus is death, burial, and resurrection, and because of those things, that we can have eternal life. We read a lot about it last week in Romans, by grace we're saved, not by works, like that's the apostles' teaching. And then it said that to fellowship, that's just getting together. And then it said to breaking uh, or sharing in meals. One version says the breaking of bread. This is one of my favorite things that we do in community group is we share meals together. It, it's really cool. In my community group, we meet every other Tuesday. And every other Tuesday morning, some of you are there in this room or in my community group. Every other Tuesday, I love it. I can't wait for the text message to start to see what we're having for dinner that night. It, it's important. Like, and I, I love it. I'm waiting. I'm hopefully next Tuesday, somebody's going to bring lobster rolls or something. Like, and filet mignon and lobster. Like, yay. I'm, I'm in that group. I love that group. But it says they were, they were sharing meals together. And then it says to pray. And that's, that's, a, that's a value. It's something we lean into every time we get together in our community groups. And then I, I love this next line. It says a deep sense of all came over all of them. If you've been around here any length of time, you've heard me. I've actually taught just on that passage right there. Because a lot of us grew up in church. I didn't, but a lot of you grew up in church. And there was a sense of awe, but it was like, oh. Right? Like, don't point the finger at any, anything. But you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. It was like, oh, oh, she's singing again. Oh. He said the same exact thing last week. Oh. Oh. But that's not what happened here. Because they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and breaking bread and fellowship and all those things. It says there was a deep sense of awe, and it says, oh, I can't imagine what God's going to do next. If you read the end of that passage, which we're not going to read it right now, it said, it says all of a sudden, many came to know him, and the numbers increased daily. What can happen in a church like ours, a faith community, which I believe without a shadow of a doubt, we don't ever have moments of oh. But we have lots of moment of oh. This morning for me, when we were being led into worship, I was just sitting there going, God, thank you. I need you to provide for me in certain areas of my life. I need you to provide for this church in certain areas. And then to go into Waymaker, I'm like, oh my gosh, I needed this this morning. There was a sense of oh. Here's some things I'm learning about community and why we should even develop the rhythm of community in our life. And the very first thing is, in community, we worship better. We do this. I've heard some of you sing by yourself. <laughs> and yes, you may make a joyful noise in that shower, but we're not all getting in that shower with you. We sound better. I feel sorry. I sit here every week and I feel sorry. I think it's a punishment, whoever's on this side of the stage, because I get it going. Like you can't hear me or see me, which is probably good. But like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm making my words up to songs. I'm making whole lines up. I'm like, woohoo! you are a way maker, rain maker, Jesus, yes. And like looking at me over here, like, what? But we, we, worship to, we worship better together. And some of you, I can, I can see it in your eyes. I've heard and had conversations. Well, I can worship well. I can worship well in the woods, sitting in the deer stand. You can, you can. I'm not going to deny that. I do it. I did it yesterday. I just sat there watching sunsets, and man, I'm just like, gosh, you're so good to me. Thank you. You know, you can, yeah, you can hike a mountain. You can go to the top of the mountain, and you can, have, you can have your worship time. I get it. You, you can do it on the golf course. No, you can't. <laughs> I've never worshiped on it. It's like, whoosh. I'm not going to say what I say next. 
But, but you with me? Yes, you can do that, but that's not at its best. There, there's something that happens. The Bible says where two or three are gathered in his name, he's right there in the midst. There's something happening when there's an expectation that God's going to move or expectation of a worship set or expectation that God's going to give a word like he did this morning through, through Ryan about, about needing a provider. That's, that spoke to a lot of people in this room right here. That doesn't happen when you're sitting on the mountain by yourself. You don't have anybody else speaking to you. Listen, I had such a critical conversation, and I say this all the time. We can have critical conversa- conversations without relational breakdowns, but unfortunately, a couple months ago, I had one that I think ended up in a breakdown, and this is why it ended up in a in a breakdown is because this, he said, he said, Bobby, I'm not coming to church anymore. And I said, what do you mean you're not coming to church anymore? He said, I got so much church hurt. I can't do it anymore. And listen, I'm not denying that church hurt doesn't happen. Church hurt happens. Hurt people hurt people. Did you hear me on that? Hurt people hurt people. And there's a lot of us in this room that have been hurt. And so unfortunately, and accidentally and not on purpose and not intentionally, we have hurt other people. I'm sorry about that. If you've been hurt by anything that's happened to somebody, anybody, it was never intentional. But I said, so what are you going to do? He goes, I'm going to watch church online. Which, listen, if you're watching online, thank you for watching online. Many, many people that watch online can't. We have 500 or so that watch online during Sunday mornings. We have thousands that will do the replays. Thank you for doing that. But I'm going to tell you something. That's really not church. It, it's church right here. And, and so he said, I'm going to do church online. And I said, and I, I didn't mean this to be ugly. Jason, you know me. I, I'm, I'm not generally an ugly person, right? I, I'm usually pretty nice about stuff, right? And so he said something. I said, can I ask you a question? He said, he said yeah, his, he's got a sick grandmother. I said, um, can I ask you a question? Who's going who's gonna to bury your grandmother? Is that, is that, is that, is that TV preacher going to come down and bury your grandmother? How about when your, your kids were born? Did that, did that TV preacher come down and visit your kids that was sick in ICU? Hey, when you go, when you go, who's going to bury you? And he said, I just assume you. No. Call, call, call the guy on the TV up and see if he can come down. Now, I know that's mean, and I know that sounds a little ugly, but I'm going to tell you something. I believe so much in community. The best way we can do life is the way we do it in circles, when we're in circles, when we're, when we're, when we're loving on each other, taking care of each other, and doing the things that God's called us to do. We worship better together when we're doing it together. L- listen to what Scripture says. I mean, it's not like I'm making this up. It's in Scripture. It says in Psalms 122, he says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 10, 25 says, let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of the Lord is returning or the day is returning. He's saying, don't miss. And listen, I'm talking to the choir right now. You're here. Thank you for being here. Th- thank you for being here. Hey, come back next week. It's going to be just as good. And we're going to do the same thing over again. And we're going to love Jesus and lift Jesus up. Don't, don't miss a Sunday. Let's make it the best part of our week. Because I think we worship better together when we're doing it in this kind of community. The second thing I think happens is in community we find acceptance. Now, some of you are going to judge me. And if you're new to Journey, I apologize in advance. But how many people watch Friends? I mean, raise your hand real high like, you, like you're not worried about being a sinner. <laughs> we'll have an altar call at the end. Do you know what the... I love, it's one of my favorite shows. And you know why? It's because there's such authentic community there. Like, like even when the whole debacle happened, we were on a break. (laughs) Right? You had to watch it to see it. But what happens? They get back together, don't they? Because there's, there's acceptance. It's like, I love you. Even the song, right? I'll be there for you. When the rain starts to pour, I'll be there for you. Like I've I've been there before. I'll be there for you because you're going to be there for me too. What would happen if that happened in the church? See, that's part of the problem. It, it's not happening 
in the church by and large? What would happen if that same kind of acceptance and love was happening in the church? I read a whole thing about Robin Williams. What a sad story that we lost Robin Williams. He was a, he was a treasure. He's an amazing comedian. But this is what he said. He said, I used to think that the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is ending up with people who make you feel all alone. Man. Gosh. So about 20 years ago, that was me. Right before we started Journey. I was in a big church, but I felt all alone. My brother used to have tickets to go to that little, that little place up in Athens. There was a little stadium up in Athens that the University of, um, I think it's Georgia, plays there. Back-to-back natty team. You all know that one? So he took me there. And so I'm sitting there, and some of you heard me tell this story. I'm sitting there with 97,000 of my closest friends. They're all wearing red and black. Even the people from the other team were wearing red and black because the team we were playing was bad, so they didn't want to be on the losing side, so they were red and black. And so we're sitting there, and it was that moment, honestly, it was that moment they panned the whole stadium, and I saw all these people, and I said to myself, I don't know anybody. And to be honest with you, I don't even know the people I came with real well. And it was that moment right there that I realized that I was not in community. About six months later, the Lord spoke to us about journey, and we actually started this church on community before we started on services. We have Wednesday nights where we would get together for small groups. I would teach for 10 minutes, and we would get together just to get to know each other, because community is that important. And I'm going to challenge you. Seek out people who are willing to accept you and build you up before they try to fix you. Did you hear me? This isn't about fixing. This is about acceptance. It's about love. Seek out those who embrace you in spite of your faults. I love Ecclesiastes. It says, two people are better off than one for they can help each other succeed. If one falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. And I've watched that happen. Let me give you another one. In community, we have influence. There's a whole term um, out there now called uh, influencers or social media influencers. We actually have some in our church. And it's just one of those things where we look at these people and because they're such influencers, they, whatever product they push, everybody else buys. Well, that's been going on for years. I mean, Brad Pitt drinks a Pepsi-Cola and every woman in the world drinks Pepsi-Cola. I mean, it's happened for years and years. and years. It's not something new, right? But you know something? I think it's, I think it's bad, now, I don't think the people that are doing it are bad, but I think it's bad. If I buy a product or go a certain way or, or, or vote for a certain, because some celebrity says I should, bad idea. But that's not, okay, but what about the other extreme? What if God calls us to be influences in our community? Can we be a good influence? And the answer is yes. And the first person that we should allow to influence us is Jesus. Jesus should be the number one influencer in our lives. John 13, 15, Jesus says, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. Another should be the believers that have a lifestyle that's worthy of being an influencer. Like we shouldn't, like I think about all the people like we were voting for this person. We don't know their lives. We don't know what they've done before. We don't know what they did before. We just take it because somebody told us to vote for that. What a powerful statement Paul makes. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Follow me because I'm following Jesus. Man, that's what we need to look for. Hey, ask yourself a couple real quick questions. Who are my influences? What am I allowed to influence in my life? Who am I listening to? Who, whose opinions do I value? Whose example do I seek? And then kind of somehow or another put this over top of it. Do those people demonstrate the qualities and characteristics of Jesus or something else? And do I see the presence of God in this person's life's attitudes and actions? Those are the people we should be following, people that are following after Jesus. So who do we allow to influence? And in community, we do that. Here's another thing. In community, we find accountability. 
We find people around us to help us. Um, a minute ago, I said something about acceptance and community. That's great, but sometimes you have to be called on the carpet, don't you? Anybody? No? Nobody? I mean, sometimes in community, you say, hey, Rich, what's going on? You don't feel like you're, you know, something doesn't seem right. And that, that's, that's accountability. So how many people have kids? Raise your hands real fast. Kids, okay. Um, how many, my, my kids used to get in arguments. I, my oldest one was kind of the boss and my twins were not the bosses. And, but they learned real quickly. This is what they would say. You're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. And so what we taught our kids is who could be their boss, who could actually have and speak into their lives. Mom and dad, right? Mom and dad should be able to speak into their lives. Maybe grandparents, that, that thing is a good one. Maybe aunts and uncles should be, maybe a good trusted teacher. But Joe Blow over there that's making all these mistakes and has done everything wrong, that shouldn't be a person to influence. It's the same thing in real life. Who are you allowing to influence you? Who are you allowing to be accountable to? Who's speaking into your life? And it better be someone that's following after Jesus. I love what Romans says, and God should be the very first one. Romans chapter 14, 12 says, each of us will be given personal account to God. So we'll, we'll answer to God one day. We are accountable to God. Somebody, somebody, you should say amen, but that's scary too. That I'm gonna stand before God and give account for my whole life. Oh my goodness. And we're also accountable to people around us. We should be accountable to our spouses. Somebody better say amen to that one, Right? Like she knows me better than anybody else in this world. I'm accountable to a group of friends. I've got my friend Clay and my friend Todd who I'm accountable to. I've got a group of elders I'm accountable to. I got a staff that I'm accountable to. We all have to find people that we're accountable, but this should be the criteria. Dear brothers and sisters, if, anyone, uh, if another believer is overcome by sin, you are who are godly should gently, and this is the key, these people that you're allowing your life should be gently and humbly help you or help that person back onto the right path and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. So gently and humbly. Let me give you the last thing. We're not done, by the way. Everybody's like, the last thing? We got 20 more minutes. Got something for you special. In community, we reach our community. In community, we're better doing it together. So I've played on softball teams for years, and years ago we had a guy, 20 years ago we had a guy that we knew was struggling with alcohol. He was about 35 or 40 years old, struggling with alcohol, non-churched. He started coming to softball games. We had a rule that we could have three players on our softball team that were unchurched. The whole purpose was to lead them to Christ and bring them to church, or at least go lead them to Christ. Well, this guy started coming, struggled with alcohol, coming, struggled with alcohol. Slowly but surely, we started asking him, well, hey, why don't you come to church with us? Why don't you hang out with us? Well, he comes in one Sunday, and he asked Christ to be a savior. And I would love to tell you that all the life's, you know, everything shifted. It was pretty, no, he still struggled with alcohol. But years later, he says to me, no, about four weeks ago, five weeks ago, he says to me, hey, just thank you. For what? Just thanks for accepting me just the way I was. And he said, if it wasn't for that community of church people that didn't act like church people, he said, he said, I would never be where I'm at right now if it wasn't for that group of guys right now. Now he's been 20 years sober. Isn't that awesome? 20 years sober. You know, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty stinking cool. 20 years sober. He's a great husband. He's a, great, he's a great father. He's a great grandfather now. He's everything that you would like. It's because some people took some time to get outside of like, what happens in the church world is we get so insulated with church people that we forget there's a world out there of unchurched people. And my, one of my prayers I said for my next steps was this, that I was gonna develop and I was gonna pray because I wanna be that person that develops relationships with people outside the church with the sole purpose of leading them to Jesus Christ. And I would challenge you in community, we do that as good as we could possibly do that. Somebody say amen to that. So this is what we're gonna do. I gave you a bunch of the whys.
but I'm gonna give you somebody that can help us with the hows. But I, I, I wanna say it this way first. You show me your connections, your communities, the circles that surround you, and I will show you your future. So how many people are preparing for the, uh, the uh, blizzard of 2024 this week? We're going to get one snowflake. And if you're not from the South, one snowflake will empty milk shelves at Publix. You won't, you, the only thing you'll be able to find is a hot dog bun. And you got to do, how many people do hot dog buns and peanut butter and jelly? Wow. None of you were poor. Here's the deal. One snowflake. It's beautiful, right? Look how, look at, wow. But bazillions of them will stop traffic. It'll cause a wreck. It'll stop societies. It will empty Kroger too, not just Publix. And it speaks to me this way. One snowflake, individually, we can't do too much. But together, I believe we can change the world if we do community the way God wants us to do it. So I'm going to have somebody come out right now. I want to add a big warm welcome for Caleb Meeks. He handles and helps us. And he's going to walk us through what community looks like here at Journey, how we can do it, what we can do. And so, um, and this, this, is, this is a passion area for you yep. um, because you've lived this one out. So over the last, you've been here how long now? 14 years. 14 years. You don't look that old. Um, over the last... 10 or 14 years or whatever it's been, how is community, what's it look like in your life? Yes, I'm at the fun age and stage of life where like every couple years has been something new for the last decade or so. I've gone from being dating to getting engaged to getting married to having our first child to our child being in school to going from part-time to full-time. And so over the last decade or so, for me, everything has been new every couple of years. And the benefit of community over the last couple years is that we've always had people in our life who were like a season ahead of us, who's like, hey, here's what to expect. Here's what's going on. And now I can I see myself giving that same advice to other people. But like our first small group was really cool because there was about six or eight couples in it and half of us were newlyweds and we had no idea what we were doing. Everything was great. And then other people were like three, four, five years ahead of us. And they're like, hey. Did you just say you didn't know what you're doing and everything was great? Yeah. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to make sure I heard that. If you're getting ready to get married, don't know what you're doing, but everything's going to be great. First couple years, good to go. But then people are like, hey, like here's what to expect. And then people started having kids and stuff like that. they were able to help us walk through those seasons yep. of life. And, and we were at Small Group the last couple of weeks, uh, last week, actually. And there's a couple of people, they have kids, their second kids are on the way. And they were talking about like, their kids two now. And like, they're like, terrible twos. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's the terrible threes you got to worry about. And then all oh, you parents are like, yeah, you're right. And, but it's just cool to have people in our lives over the last yep. 10 years or so that helped us walk through different seasons and different changes. I know you've been the same way for you. Well, and I always thought, to be honest with you, I'm 58 and I've always thought like after the age of 50, you don't even need to be in groups, right? Like you've got everything figured out and there's no problems. And then we hit 50 and I realized we need group, you know, we need relationships more now than ever before. 50 was really tough for me. Um, the church is going through some transitions. I was going through some transitions. My kids were moving out of the house. Uh, we became empty nesters, which, by the way, is fantastic. <laughs> but I still miss my kids, okay, just to be honest with you. And so there was all kinds of transitions happening. And then a divorce yeah. from my oldest daughter. And then, you know, grandkids. And every step of the way, same thing. We, we were leaning into our people in our, in our community group to go, just can you help us with this? And yeah. I, I'll say this, and I, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm going to not look at the people, that, but there's several people in the community group with me. I would not be here right now if it wasn't for my community group. Yeah, so. 
Yeah, I think ultimately, the ultimate thing is the why. Like, we talk about how, we talk about here's things you can do, but, like, why do we need community? And you're sitting there thinking, like, well, I know, like, life stage, and it's good to have people in our yep. lives, but I'll tell you this, and this is a lesson I learned a couple years ago. The ultimate why for community is because of the unexpected things in life. It's easy to say, like, hey, I know I got a kid on the way. I'm going to try to, you know, bend the ear of some people who have younger kids, or I'm, hey, I'm getting married. I'm going to partner myself with people who've been married a couple years, and, and all those are great, and they're very beneficial. But it's when something comes along in your life that's unexpected that really the community is most important. And I shared the story, I've shared this story from stage before, and I shared it at GroupLink a lot, and this is where this lesson came to life for me. Uh, a couple, probably four years ago, uh, my brother and his wife, it was on Christmas, we were with my family, we were celebrating, and before we all left, they were like, hey, we should let y'all know one more thing, like, hey, we're expecting a kid. Great, we're celebrating with them, and we had a brand new group starting at the beginning of the year, towards the end of January, and we were going to meet on Thursdays. And I'll, I remember like yesterday, it was the Wednesday before we were supposed to start the next day. We had our meals planned out, everything was good to go. I get a phone call from my brother, and he's just like, hey, I just want you to know, like, we went to the doctor today, and, like, unfortunately, we've lost the baby. And I went into mode of, like, hey, brother, like, I'm, excuse my French, but that sucks. It's awful. Like, I don't want that to happen to anybody. And, like, hey, we'll just cancel group tomorrow night. There's no reason for you to host us and worry about all that kind of stuff. You don't need to do that right now. And my brother told me this. He said, no, okay, we're going to have group tomorrow. God knew all along that this was going to happen, and he was preparing these group of people to walk through this season of life with us that we had no idea was coming. And it's in those moments of the unexpected things of life where we realize, like, hey, there's moments in life, we don't know what's going to happen, that we need help being carried and lowered down in front of Jesus, and our friends and our community can do just that. And so sometimes the ultimate why is we need to be prepared for the unexpected things in life. And I can't tell you how many times I've sat in the room counseling somebody you know, I, I talked about this last week, and if you didn't see it, go back and, but I talked about, like, where are they now? Yeah. And there's lots of people that, you know, in all of our lives that, like, what happened to them? They were, they were on fire for Jesus. They were doing all the stuff, you know, Bible study, and, all, and now they're not even here. And I, I used a passage in Hebrews where it says, he's an anchor for my soul. And I talked about how it's because Jesus has been an anchor to my soul. But so when I'm doing counseling, there's, I can't tell you the amount of times I tell people, there's two things I tell people when they come in and they're, they're floundering in their marriage or floundering in life. I'll ask them where they serve and where they're, where they're doing life. Because first of all, where you serve is important because it gets you outside of looking at yourself. And so many times we spend so much time looking at our own little problem and our own little self that we forget there's a whole world of people out there that are kind of like us. And maybe what happens is we realize how small our situation is in comparison to over here. But the second part is if you're not in community, it's that fire that we talked about a few minutes ago. You end up falling out of the fire and you end up kind of floundering. And so I think that's what happens a lot of times. People that are falling away from faith are falling away from... I don't know this to be completely true, and I didn't say this in the first service, but it's hard. I'll say it this way. It's hard to leave community. It's not impossible to leave community, but when you're in close biblical community with people, when you're doing life with people, it's hard to walk away from that. People are going to call you out. People are going to draw you in. They're going to find out if you're okay, and if you're not, that probably wasn't your community group to be in with, you know, to begin with, but so here's the deal. We've given a bunch of house. Yeah. Okay. We've give, given some whys, but the big how we haven't hit yet. Yeah. At Journey Community Church, this faith community, how can somebody get involved in community starting right now? Yeah, there's a couple, there's a couple ways. One, one, I will say this. A lot of you are actually in community without even realizing it. There's people in your everyday life that you truly do life with, but you haven't taken that next step to say, hey, like, hey, I need to be open and honest and vulnerable with them, whether it's people you play golf with, people you go to lunch with, people you have coffee with, you're in a book club with, all those different things. Some of you have people in your life, you just haven't identified it as like, no, no, that's, that's my community, that's my people. And so maybe being open and honest with those people is a great start for you. Others, you may be sitting here 
Kind of like Bob was talking about being in Sanford Stadium. You have all these people around you, and all of a sudden you're like, I'm still by myself, and I need to find my true people to do life with. And we have an event around here called a group link, and I'll give you a really high-level flyover. Um, it's kind of like awkward speed dating for groups. There's, it's an event where we have over in our atrium, we have lots of tables, and you just go meet people. And hey, I see you're a, a group for adults that meets on Tuesday nights, and that's a great night for me. You live in Evans or Grovetown, and you kind of just meet and talk. And, but at this event, which is coming up on uh, Tuesday, January 23rd here at the Evans campus, you can see all of our different types of groups, and we have a ton of them. Yep. Um, there's three types of groups ultimately that we have. We have connect, care, and community groups. And I'll just give you a quick snippet of those three things. Our connect groups are short-term groups. These meet anywhere between four to eight weeks, some of them as long as 13, but they cover key areas of life. You have finances and marriage and men's Bible studies and women's Bible studies and leadership and things like that, that you can come and you get connected to God's word and you get connected to people. It's quick and easy access to community. And that's what our connect groups are. And those groups will be open and available at group link as well. And then we have something called care groups. And our care groups are designed to walk through specific seasons of life with you. Our care groups consist of grief share. Maybe you've lost someone and you want to walk through that stage of life with someone. We have divorce care. We have cancer care. And this year, our recovery groups is something that we've noticed has been a little bit isolated, maybe a, a log outside of the fire per se. We're bringing our recovery groups underneath our care heading. And Celebrate Recovery is something we've been going on for about 10 years or so. And it will continue to go on. But what we're doing is expanding our recovery groups from Celebrate Recovery about hurts, habits, and hangups. And we're adding something called Reboot Recovery to it. And Reboot Recovery covers three different areas. One is for general trauma in your life, whether it goes all the way back to childhood, all the way to being an adult. One is for those in military and combat. And you've dealt with some trauma there that you want to talk with other people who've done similar things. And you can talk with them about that. And then the last one is for our medical community. And talking about EMS, fire, police, talking about people in emergency rooms and hospitals. And you can talk about the trauma that comes along with those jobs. And so Reboot Recovery is partnering with Celebrate Recovery to expand those groups, allow them to be in community. And then the last one is our community groups, our long-term community, ultimately finding people you do life with each and every day. You're meeting in each other's homes every other week, eating really good food, not as good as food as Pastor Bobby's group. Nobody can get as close to them, but it's where you truly do life. You find those people that you can shoot a text message and just say, hey, can you please be praying for me? This is what's going on. And, and all those groups are available at GroupLink. Well, and we're starting a brand new one, an exciting one, yep. something we've been working on yep. uh, directly for the last several months, which we get to announce for the very first time to, today. And that is? Uh, We're starting groups for young adults. It's something that we've noticed a need for for the last couple of years, honestly. And over the last six months, we've been meeting with some leaders and saying, hey, we want to do something about this. And so if you are a young adult or you wish you were a young adult, um, (laughs) some of us in here. We would encourage you to come. You can come to GroupLink and get connected and meet some of the leaders, but we're going to have a special isolated event. It's simply called Circle Up Young Adult Edition on Sunday, February 4th, where you can come meet other young adults, sit at some circle tables together, have some food, and just learn what it looks like to be in community for that specific age range because we're really seeing it being a need in our community. Yep. Well, a couple of weeks ago, I challenged us with a question, and I want to close the service out with this. I asked the question, what would you like to look like in five years? We were going into this rhythm series. I knew where we were going, and I talked about several different physical. What would you like to be like? physically? Would you like to be in a better shape? We talked about financially. How would you like to look financially? Well, what does that look like? We talked spiritually, and that's really where this series is going. But one of which we talked about, which really leads right to today, is what do you want to look like relationally? Um, if this is important, um, then what are you doing today? What are we doing today to make sure in five years that we look healthy relationally, that we look healthy, not just in our marriages and our friendships, but spiritually that we're uh, you know, you know, promoting and moving forward. So I'm going to challenge you, if you're not in some type of community here at 
journey. There's several different ways you can do it. Um, I'm going to give you real quick. Um, we're going to leave this up through the end of the service. There's going to be a QR code on the screen. You can uh, get to anything community via that QR code or if, you're, if it's urgent to you right now. Or maybe you're not. Maybe you still have a flip phone. You can go over here to the next steps area and you can talk to somebody and they will help you with the, whether it's the, um, the, the small group event or if it's the February 4th thing, they'll help you with anything that um, we possibly can to get you involved in the community, okay? It's that important that we feel like we don't want anybody outside that fire burning out, that we feel responsible that everybody comes into that community so we're all doing what Jesus called us to do. Amen? I want you to get you to pray real quick. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the opportunity to come and be together. And God, that's a word that we don't take lightly, not only the freedom we have, but just the ability to come together. But God, we pray that it's not just a word we talk about on Sundays, but God, together is something we have each and every day in our life. We realize that we are better together because we can ultimately be more like you because you've modeled that for us. So God, I pray that today you would allow us to find our people to do life with, to point each other closer to you. As iron sharpens iron, God, we can make each other better. It's your name we pray. Amen. Hey, give my friend Caleb a big thank you. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.